Welcome to Awesome Season 3, the podcast where we tell you whether a movie is awesome, so-so, or meh. I'm Matt. No, I'm Matt. I'm Dave. I'm LJ. This season, we're screwing with the space-time continuum, so you don't have to. Mm. Oh. Alright, well here we are. We're back on. Uh, back another week later. Damn it, LJ, why couldn't you bring the mic again? I know. Boom! I feel like I can even see on the recording that's a much quieter boom because we have no mic and it's been a week. Which, by the way, means one week since. (laughs) Which means the awesome lives will be quite happy because it won't blow out their eardrums. That's true. Um, So and Slash is still in hiding from the Super Bowl. Yeah, what an embarrassment! Two weeks in a row he can't show up here. It makes sense, though. He should be embarrassed for that call-out. Yeah. Um, so, predestination. Wow. What happened? <laughs> so, I don't even know where to this start is, with explaining this movie. As this far is as, the weirdest movie we I, have I, ever I, watched, I think the I think. only way to actually do a good job at reviewing this movie is to honestly go linear as far as what the movie shows you. Because otherwise... Oh, boy. Okay. Do we... Okay. Before we do that, should we just jump into what the twist is or no? Well, let me start just to give people why so we're having. We at least need to go. We at least need to do a basic two right. minute, three we minute can, summary. Right. Of what we can also give a, a clue to what the twist is by saying we heard the song "I'm My Own Grandpa" about seven times. Yeah, let me start by saying the reason we're having a problem describing it at all is because the movie is a time travel movie that has a lot of jumps. A lot of jumps. And it reminds me of, um, oh gosh, um, well, it's, it's a very, it's a mystery movie. So there's a lot of mystery and a lot of confusion on who's who, who's doing what, and you have time traveling jumps both forward and backwards to sometimes the same locations, sometimes different locations, sometimes uh, two or three people of different jumps will be showing up at locations. So it's very complex. Also, it was a time travel movie that wasted my time because the first 36 or 37 minutes was just a conversation between Ethan Hawke and this woman yeah, but Ethan, about her life story. No, about, that was a man, a, about a, to a, <laughs> Ethan Hawke and a man about his life story oh, right. used hit, to be hit, a hit. woman. Sorry, right. Yes. So, that, so that honestly, I know that you, will set up the third, the first half of this movie. I wonder when we were going to get if we were ever going to get to time travel. I kept looking at the clock like we're yeah. an hour in. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We did get to time travel. He time traveled back then. That's true. But yeah, I, it was about 37, 38 minutes or so before he was like, "If I put the guy in front of you, yes." But that was an hour into the film. There was a first 20 minutes of action, and then oh, a yeah. long time yeah. of talking. Yes, because at first, the fir- it opens up with a scene that you don't know what on earth is going on, other than someone's burning. Yeah, there's like an explosion. Somebody's setting so, something. Going so, crazy. I like what you guys said. Let's. So, I would explain to listeners why there's a lot of confusion on how to tell them. Let's give them a quick two-minute plot synopsis. So, right. Ethan Hawke saves him. Save, we don't know what happened. He saves someone. Or no, no we don't Hawk, know who it is. No, Ethan Hawke is, gets saved by somebody. He's burning up. 
we don't know actually it's Ethan Hawke yet. We just know it's someone's burning and crying. Eventually he, he jumps. Like literally on fire. He yeah. jumps in time to the safe area that these time travel agents headquarters is. Yes. They're doing surgery on him. Eventually it's revealed that it's Ethan Hawke. Yes, he, he's got a face transplant because he was burned at the beginning of the and film. And then... We also know it looks like somebody was... The, he was trying to set some kind of a bomb or something. Yes. Right. And then... And, and, that, and it expo- went off, exploded, uh, and that's what caused the fire. Yeah. And then about X amount of time passes, and he's finally fully healed. His scars are away. His his hair has grown back. Yes. And stuff like that. And then he's about to start his, quote-unquote, like, final mission, in a sense. Yes. But also, he's recording something on a tape recorder... And then doesn't it flash? Let's not get too. Let's not get too detailed. Let's okay, but real they, quick, high level. Right, but I also know how to do that. Sorry, Matt's okay. really upset with. This. But it's his younger self who's doing that. It Ooh. doesn't. That doesn't, doesn't matter. matter yet. Okay. Ethan so, Hawke gets his face burned, gets a face transplant, gets ready to do a final mission. His final mission is going back in time to stop the fizzle bomber. To to stop a bomber, um, he he becomes a bartender. Becomes a bartender and meets this guy who, obviously, you know, there's something off with the guy just by how they look. Sort of slightly looks like Leonardo DiCaprio. Won't get into that too much. Um, and so, and then we talk that we go on to this 35 minute story so, of yeah. them just sort of they you just they just show up at different points in the bar, hopping around as far like having conversations as this guy who's sitting there tells his story about how he used to be a woman who wanted to be be part of NASA. And how he got to be a writer for a magazine. Right. That's pretty much what the whole story is. In that you learn about a relationship, about how when she was a, when he was a female, she got pregnant. By this she guy. looked like Emma Stone to me. I right. saw Leo DiCaprio, and I was like, and Emma Stone. Yeah. And she got left behind, or, or like he got she got pregnant, left the kid for adoption. All this other stuff started happening. He tells this whole story about how he finally ended up here as a man. Due to a sexual um, surgery, taking hormones, stuff like that. He had a kid at one, like he was pregnant and birthed a kid, and during that is what caused him, led to his. Uh, and he was very angry because his kid was kidnapped. Because yeah. his kid was kidnapped, that's right. And then. He was placed on the And then Ethan Hawke ha- pretty much says, hey, I'll take you to that person. You what can would get you- revenge. <clears throat> and then I feel like at this point, Point would probably be where the best point for us to stop, unless we're going to start spoiling everything. Right. Okay. Because after this point, the purpose la- at this point, there's only like thirty something minutes left, and it's it's nonstop. It's nonstop. Just like what? There's huh? three different reveals in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. And and I will say the movie did a good job because even in my notes, the whole time I was like, I mean, the first scene with the fedora. Or the brain, I was like, is that fedora going to be important? Because I was like, because they did a good job at not, I mean, they did a good job at showing you, purposely showing you, like, you're, we are not going to reveal who these key people are. Like, when she meets that, when the writer talks about when she was a female and met the guy who got her pregnant, yes. you purposely only see the person from behind. When um, Ethan Hawke in the very, in the first, like, two minutes is burning up, you don't see who else is in that room with him? You just see a leg move the time travel thing closer to it. Like, yeah. you don't see in, you know, you purpose, there's purposely times where you don't see anything other than an outline or the back of their head or yeah. the hat that they're wearing or the coat that they're wearing as they drop off the baby. So we, we should also, you're right. We so, should also say real quick, the reason she became a man 
is unbeknownst to her, she was born with both male and female parts. She got pregnant, and there was a problem in the birth, and so they had to, they, the baby was born fine, but they had to remove her female organs. Yeah. So then they changed, then they decided to move forward and go through the, the surgery to, uh, uh, transition her to a man. Which is very classic 60s or 70s thought. Um, they, this, uh. And which, which this would have been set as, as far as, okay, when Ethan Hawk is talking to the guy slash girl at the bar, it's yeah. set in the 60s or 70s. I think it was 1971. Okay. I feel like. I was gonna say, cause, and then, cause most of the stuff in, in the, in his story about her, about his previous life and her life, whatever, was more late 50s, mostly 60s. Yeah, cause the big, it? the big explosion is in 1975. Right. The furthest they go into the future is 1985. So, in, let me, let me go a total tangent here. I think it was in the 50s or the 60s, a young baby boy was getting a circumcision. They used to use this electric knife. They accidentally burned his genitals severely, and at the time, they said, if we turn this baby into a female and raise it female its entire life, it will never know anything different from being female, and it will be perfectly fine emotionally and psychologically because being female is only how you're taught to behave and what you it's the total nurture attitude this is a real life story sure this person Give me a second, but I this, that. this person grew up and was totally destroyed they didn't understand why they didn't feel like i mean they were a baby when they turned them into a girl and they didn't understand why they just felt like they were in the wrong body their whole life, even though everyone said you're a cute little girl dressed in dresses, long hair, the whole nine yards, painted nails, treated as a girl their whole life, never came to grips with being a girl. Which, yes, it's actually not completely nurture, because this person really struggled. Yeah. So, anyway, so that, I just say all of that because the movie, it's feasible that the doctors well, can make that decision. Right, and, and, the, and then the movie, Joe slash John, Horrible name. She goes from Jane, or she goes from Jane to, to John. John. Good yeah. job naming yourself, idiot. <laughs> but anyways, when she was Jane, she sort of felt different, but she didn't necessarily feel like she was supposed to be a male. No, she never. I think she felt like the way they ca- classified it kind of was like a person who, like, when adoptive children feel different because they don't have their parents. They feel right. Kind of, and saying, that was the sense I think they were yeah, trying to lay they never, out. Because she never made it seem like, because she never themed, themed, seemed that she was anti her gender. Her gender. She did say she never felt quite right. But she, they didn't say why, and she never she never explicitly said, I always felt like I was a different gender. And she seemed more disappointed when she got turned into a male than previously. Yeah, yeah which is actually counter um, what, you know, common modern thinking is, if you're dissatisfied with your gender, when you get that surgery, you should be very satisfied with life. So, she was not... She was, she just started her part of her anger. Right. I mean, yeah. there was other things that dealt with it, but I know that that was also part of it, too. And it like, may have been that, that she wasn't dissatisfied with her gender. And thus... That's why she was mad. Because she wasn't dissatisfied with her gender. I think right. the most thing she was dissatisfied with was the fact that she was a ginger. Probably. And that's what made her eat weird. Yeah. All I know is she could beat ass. She, someone messed with her, she would punch them hard she, in the face. When she has her NASA training and they're like vomiting and stuff like that. So, okay, background on this character. John, who used to be Jane, 
gets, gets left on the doorstep of some orphanage or something when she's an infant. So she's telling the story to our time-traveling agent who's right now a bartender. And his job is to go back in time and stop crimes. Yes, and he's on his last mission, and so he's hiding out in plain sight as a bartender, apparently on his last mission waiting for an assignment or whatever's going to happen, we don't know. And it seems arbitrarily at first that he's just striking up a conversation with this bar goer, who they've never met before, and there's no reason that we know of why they're talking, but this bar goer says, I've got a crazy story to tell, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you for a, a, a bottle of booze. And if it's not the craziest story, then you give me a $20 tip. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, like a bet. It's a, a bit of a bet. Yeah. So, anyway, so that's where we get this story from. Go ahead. So you were saying... And I, I was going to say, um, so yeah, she starts off with being left at an orphanage, being raised as an orphan, being upset about that. Eventually, I forget why she decides she wants to be part of NASA. She Don't graduates. They? She stays in the orphanage. She's never picked up. No one ever oh, wants never her. wants her. Because they want a cute little girl that they can send to tea parties, and she's more of a tomboy. She's more of a, she, she rather, she likes to run around, she likes to wrestle, she's really smart, but she likes to fight. I mean, she's very smart and athletic. But she's also a know-it-all, and she also feels superior to everyone, so that kid's a little off-putting to, like, her peers... And, I mean, she is pretty smart, and she is a know-it-all, but that's one thing to be a know-it-all, another thing to be a narcissist. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so she finally decides, she's graduating, so she's going to, she heard about this program. In, was she recruited for it, or did she? Wasn't I, she at first a burger flipper, and and she wasn't making money, so then? I thought that was later, after she got kicked out of the program. Uh, maybe you're right. Yeah, I thought, um... Mr. Johnson, or whatever his name is, recruited her... Robertson? Robertson? Maybe that's correct. Okay. So, in any case, so she goes to this NASA program, which is basically bringing escorts to space. Yes. Uh, the, they know that if, if, if... Was that what that was? Yeah. Yes. Okay, because I... Because this conversation was going on for so long, I was like, alright, I was doing other things while it was happening. No, it's... What, I will say, the one thing... Going with Matt... I mean, not that it was my intention, because I felt like it was, I was like, well, this is just weird. But at first, I was like, okay. And then all of a sudden, I was like, okay, this is in, like, the 15, 20-minute mark. Apparently, this is all really important all of a sudden, because it's like, oh, this isn't just like a, oh, this is giving me a hint at what the rest of the story is going to be about. Oh, this is a third of my story. Yes, I did the exact same thing. I looked at the clock, I'm like, holy cow, this story's going on forever. Normally, when you have a story in it, you know, it tells a little backstory, and you're like, and that's how I got here. But no, this is, again, a third of the movie. 30 minutes since mm-hmm. she's telling the story. So, yeah, so uh, spacemen, when they need to go on long space flights, can't be without female companions. Gotcha. But they can't just send any hooker what about, up What about Brokeback Space Mountain? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I get that reference. Um, <laughs> by, by practice? No, because I went and saw the movie intentionally to understand what the reference was about. Like 10 years after the fact. Hang you... Brokeback Mountain was very popular when it came out. Yeah. I didn't see it when it came out. But I heard it referenced all the time, and so I thought to myself... You didn't know what it was about? Well, that's an interesting debate, isn't it? Yes, I did know that it was about gay sex. But I wanted to see the movie so I could really... It's about love. So I could really understand the reference. So I went and saw this this two-hour movie just so I could understand it's gay sex. No, it's about... 
that and then how they de- both decide to deal with it when they go back. Oh, yes. And they of leave course. the cattle driver. But, but Matt, Dave, Dave's only interested in the gay sex part. Matt likes to give me a hard time because, like, it was a very clear reference and everyone knew that it's talking about gay sex in the mountains. And I had to go and watch the gay sex movie in order so I could really understand that reference. Yeah. I mean, I also saw it, like, well, and the fact that Dave when saw it came it, out. And the yeah. fact that Dave went and saw it ten years later. Right. In order to be able to that, understand the reference. It's yeah. one thing if, like, because, like, for instance, it came out and I waited till it was on, like, VHS or DVD or whatever right. it would have been right around the, I feel Wait, like that. I feel like that time it would have been, like, that like, that, like, cross between, like, how it, you could have gotten either DVD or VHS right. type yeah. of. Um, but, I mean, I went to Blockbuster and rented it. Yeah. So that also tells you how old it was. I actually went to Blockbuster. Hey, I watched it. Tombstone on LaserDisc, and it was four LaserDiscs. I don't know if you know this, but LaserDiscs can only hold 30 minutes. Uh, but it's also, LaserDiscs can be two-sided, so if it was four LaserDiscs, that means eight-sided. Oh, no, sorry. Yes, it was double-sided. So it's two LaserDiscs. Okay. I flipped it over. Okay, I was like, wow, that's a really long one. Yeah. I knew that you had to flip it like an album. Okay. Yeah. So she does this all, she's pretty much just is BA during this NASA training. Yeah. She doesn't vomit during the stuff. She just, during the, like, um, motion sensory type stuff they do with her. Yeah. She the females She can vomiting. run for, like, two plus hours. Without, like, looking like she's tired. She punches girls in the face. <laughs> Hard! Like, she's just a badass. And, but then... She gets in a fight defending herself, and so they go, okay, you're out of the program. That's what they tell her. Right. They say, this is why you're out of the program. Because but in this. reality... Why? How did they? They did a deep dive medical test, and they discovered and found she out was, she was a hermaphrodite, yeah. and so that's why they kicked her out. But they said the the director. I says, believe the medical term is he she. Or, no, it's hermaphrodite. Uh, so they they said, does she know that she's a hermaphrodite? Basically, and they go no, and he's like, then I'll talk to her, and that's when he says, uh, we're kicking you off from violence. So and who and who's this guy who talks to her? Exactly, John Robertson. 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 Yes. So, who, who comes back into play later. So that's why I just want to pull out that yeah. it's Robertson that is doing this. So yeah. she leaves the program right. and goes to like college. No, she gets a job as a fry cook. She's a nanny for think, a no, while. No, 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 she's she, in college because no, that's she, where she meets the man who will be... She goes to etiquette school or something. Yeah, because that's where she meets the man... Coming out of classes where she meets the man... Who yeah. become the father to her children, to her okay. child. She has a bunch of different jobs and also etiquette school. Because I think that that happened... Because... What happens is she goes to etiquette school, and then Robertson comes back around to re- hold on no to recruit her to this other program. But when he does, she has already gotten pregnant. She's pregnant, so she can't do that other program. I didn't think that's what happened. I thought what happened was she very similar to what you said. She's taking etiquette school to prove to them that she's more feminine because she believes she was kicked out because she was too aggressive in the okay. fighting. So she no, go- I, say that I thought she goes back to apply. I didn't think he recruits her. I thought she went back to apply. Yes, I thought he did. And then she, he says, you know what, there might be something else for you. Okay, I just idea. remember them having a conversation, but because she was pregnant, she, she can't do that thing either. Right, yes. So, and then she gets the job as the fry cook or as the grill burger guy or whatever, or, and then Ultimately, because she gives birth, the baby gets kidnapped. She gets upset. She turns into a man, and eventually, then as a man, he she does a he does a few things first before he becomes a advice columnist. Yeah, essentially, and then um, deer like a deer, deer Abby or whatever. Yeah, right. But he's very upset. Who's he upset at? 
is the person who kidnapped the child. Was the sense because because the kid gets kidnapped gets kidnapped from the hospital. Yeah, and that's the person who's ruined her life. Yes. Well, no, no, no. Both she mad at that and mad at the fact that the guy who knocked her up just MIA leaves oh, her. Right. Right. Because I didn't get the sense. What th- this is? A, a I got I got upset more than he- Ethan Hawke says to her. If I could put you in front of the person who did him. this, he's him. him at this point. What would you do? I would kill them. Who? I I I think she's more angry at the person who left her pregnant because I think she she put all her anger on the guy who knocked her up. Yeah, because she never intended to even go that way in general. Like she never. She said she didn't want to have a child unless she was going to be married because right. she'd seen like. These types of and so my guess is she blames everything. Like, well, if I never got pregnant, I would never had a kid, which means I never would have a kid got kidnapped from me. I think she blames it all on that one guy who 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 wooed her for X amount of time and then left her. I thought that the person she wanted to kill was the person who kidnapped the child. I didn't think she wanted to kill the guy who knocked her up and then took off. I thought she killed wanted to kill the person who kidnapped her. I, baby. I, so what does he tell her? He says, "I will." Put you in front of that person, and but I have to test you first to see if you'll do. I guess that was un- that was a little unclear because I was paying attention by that point, and that was a little unclear. Also, I don't know if also he was going like you can kill the the bomber person. That also no, he sure wasn't right. talking about the bomber. Okay. He was so, just saying, hey, he pretty much at this point. Okay, so at this point, he has finished up his story because really most of it is about not much of it is about him. Becoming a man, other than the fact you do see his penis. Yes. I knew Dave would notice. I missed that part. That's uh, probably where I wasn't paying There's attention. a part where it shows after the surgery. I did see this. And this, and, but when you first get a side view, you see the little... Oh, okay. Yes. I, I missed that. But then when he's peeing and he lifts up the toilet and pees from behind, you don't get a rear view. So, so I was waiting for the camera to pan up, but all we see is a trickle. I'm sorry. Yeah, was, By the way... That's why I only made 63000 Speaking of watching someone... They're coming out with okay. a DVD version, I don't know extended version, ultimate extended version called the Bail? Ulysses version of Waterworld, adding uh, 40 more minutes to an already three-hour film. Why? Why, why, why? <laughs> I want to say, this is what I'm going to say about that. Why? The fact that Waterworld came out 20 years ago? Something Club, if not long, and they're at just this point. and they're just now releasing a a version with forty additional minutes. Yes, leads me to believe that it's not a worthwhile forty minutes. <laughs> well, apparently, this Ulysses version has been available for download through pirate sites for a long time, uh-huh. and they're like legitimizing it by releasing it. Okay. Twenty, so three. Almost 24 years ago. I thought it was like 93, so I guess it would be about 90, 95. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. I, I was going to guess 93. Yeah. Uh, anyways. Anyway, so, okay, so we are then all unclear exactly, and, and is he... My, I, I have my my theory on why it's the person who knocked her up. Is he intentionally being unclear about it because he's kind of fooling... He can't, he can't be precise... Because of what we're about to reveal. No, I also think... Well, no, he can be precise all he wants. I think they just leave it unknowingly because maybe that character doesn't really know 
who they're upset with, really. They might just be more like, it's easier for me to blame those things because sure. my life just got shit upon because X amount of years ago, I was a female and stuff was going fine, and I'm a male who got, whose baby got kidnapped from me. I think it's the kidnapper. The kidnapper, right? I heard my theory. Okay. And we'll get there eventually. Um, so, anyway, so... Uh, Ethan Hawke says, I will put you in front of this person who wronged you. You can do what you want, and then you can work for me. Or you can do this other job that I have that I do. You can be a temporal cop. You can be a temporal And you can even just try it. A time cop. If you don't want want to be it, you can try it one time, and if you don't dig it, then you can be right back out again. Now, before we get into what the big spoiler is, we'll just tease that out a little bit longer. The time travel, what we were told is... You can only go 53 years on either side of the zero point. The zero point was the year that time travel was invented, and that was 1981. Yeah. So you can only go 53 years in the future from 1981, which they never did. They yeah. went four years. And you can go 53 years back, which the furthest they went back was, I think, 1945. Yeah. And they don't ever abuse the 53 years. No, I, which is fine. Which is fine. I think they just did that for a reason. And the only reason why they go in the future, honestly, is because that's where... They pretty much go to the future because by then they have a better understanding and more cool things to go with time yeah. travel. And that's pretty much the only reason why that's like the, a base. And like, the way time travel works um, is very, it, it's kind of uh, very limited in how they explain it. They've got this violin case that they never opened. But it's basically got a dial on top and you dial in the date. And by, dial, by dial, it's like a like a number lock case yeah, type yeah. thing. So you dial in the date, the month. The year, you hit and go. And the time. And I think the, you also put the time. Yes. And you have to just stand near it, or touch it, or be close enough Three to it. Three feet from yeah. it. And it will also do some very interesting calculations. It will make sure that you don't land within any object. So it will make sure no solid objects appear. It will make sure that you're in a discrete place, which the artificial intelligence required to find out a discrete place at a certain time would be incredible. It transfers you through space, too. Right, yes. Is what you're saying. Space, time... He, they'll be in, like, an abandoned warehouse and then in a furnished apartment. Yeah, so it will find a discrete place, make sure you don't start... You're not within any objects, so it won't teleport you into the middle of a wall. Um, but they never go beyond that. They call it a temporal wave. It creates a temporal wave. Well, do you think it has to do with the fact that we know, like, I've, I've heard it said that if, if time travel were possible, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't work the way it traditionally works in movies, where you're in a fixed position and you time travel to that fixed position because of the rotation of the Earth and how it moves and stuff. Well, that's what happened. So that's, that's, what they're, that's what they're doing here, essentially, is you end up in a different place because time and space is moving. and the, Yeah, but not, I mean, it would be more similar to what we saw in the time machine, where he... Over time, was moving physically, but it wasn't like he was ending up in a two-story building. No, it was creating. It actually, for time machine, it created a shield around him and left him in place and simply aged the earth. This one seems to be taking. I thought, you through I like thought a, in one of them, it, it it showed his car slowly like leaving a trail in the. No, that was dragged. That, the, yeah, Mor- was dragged. the Morlocks dragged it. No, I was in the in his house. Uh, yes, I think it got, but I do think, again, it got dragged. He's talking about, it was like at the end of the time machine, uh-huh. and there was, there were, there was dragging marks. I, uh, but I still think it, it was house. dragged, yeah. I think it was dragged by somebody, not oh, okay. that it, like, moved that way. So, either way. They don't, they, they obviously don't go anywhere beyond that, because time machine, time machines don't exist. 
But they basically say is there's a temporal wave. You can't go past 50 years or the wave disperses. They don't explain how anybody's keeping tabs because there were a set of parameters that you had to stick with. Oh, yes. And, and if you went beyond those parameters, then you would be punished, I think, by death. Death, yes. Um, so they didn't really explain that. They also said that you left pieces of particles. Particles, but I don't really know what that meant or how that impacted things exactly. Um, well, presumably, I mean, as weird as this sounds, everywhere you walk, when you exhale, if you weren't there, uh, you know, 40 years ago and you, you exhale, you're creating a butterfly effect. Those particles didn't exist. And every move you make and every conversation you have, anything that you do has massive ripples. And they were trying to protect against that, yeah. the agency Right, and was. so it could have just been a hint at, like, we try to make sure we leave as little mark as possible outside of these things. I also think it's, uh, and we, and we don't, and a lot of it too is that we don't get a good clue of how the actual agency works because all we really follow is Ethan Hawke's character right. on this journey. We don't really see the, we, I mean, yes, there are different points where we're at headquarters, but you don't really see how the, the ins and outs of how the agency as a whole works. Right, and that's fine. That's kind of like, I mean, Men in Black or any other agencies. Right. We don't know how they work. We don't know how they distribute missions. They don't know when they get their paychecks on Fridays or every other weekend. Yeah, <laughs> the other part of it is apparently the time, tr- the, the person is aware of how things were supposed to happen and how things did happen because when we meet up with the bomber at the end of the movie, the person um, was like, I didn't kill people, I saved people. This thing was supposed to happen because I set the bomb. This thing didn't happen and instead this thing happened. That's actually a really good point. There's no way a time travel... That's actually... You've just brought out a good... So um, Unless it's a Back to the Future 2 time no, no. time traveler. The bomber says, I have clippings that right. prove that I was saving people's lives, but those clippings wouldn't exist. Okay, well unless, I can get to that too. No, unless he was carrying the unless he was carrying the clippings around as he time traveled right. so that they were protected from change. Right. Um I will let's see. Um do we want to talk about any other rules of time travel? Or and they don't really get into a ton once so I mean, the big, yeah, the biggest one is they try not, they, and, and, I mean, even jumping, what was it, I think they say jumping, like, five or six years in one direction, or, like, every, they, they try to keep it within Certainly a... Certainly 20 was too much, but... Yes, but I know, I know they try to keep it within a certain gap because they have a harder time, like... The more you, the more you jump, it damages your brain, yeah. and, 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 your, and your body gets a little, like, like, I mean, like... They talk about, know, like, dimensions. Yeah, you get a little sick and, yeah... So when they jump five minutes, they get a little disoriented. When they jump uh, 20 years, you're very disoriented for five or ten minutes. Yeah. Um, and then the damage is cumulative on time traveling. It, Which is why... And you should close your eyes. Yes, for some reason. Yes, because uh, during one jump, uh, he, she has their eyes open. It's, like, very, it's the first jump. Yeah, they're like, what was that? And they're like, that's the vortex that we traveled through or yeah. something. So that was cool. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, um... So without further ado, do we? All right. Give it so away? we travel. So we we're gonna meet. Oof. And here and here's why I think my here's my theory. So Ethan Hawke's taking he she to go meet that person that wrecked her life. Yes. And when he, she was a woman, her life was wrecked by a particular man. Right. And who she was willing to kill. 
and pretty much this is what he sets up, and then John runs, or jo, uh, yeah, Jane. John, John runs into Jane yeah. himself. So Ethan Hawke travels him back in time to the point where they meet on the park, which is on the bench, or or, or, or um, no, no outside bench. of the uh, the rainy right, day. But that's the point of that's where she wants to go, or he wants to go, which is why I think it's the person who knocked her up that she's upset with. Right. Um, she, he says, I will take you um, to to find this person. They show up, and um, John believes that he's going to meet the guy who who knocks her up. I'm gonna I'm gonna streamline this, and we can discuss it. The baby who's at the orphanage is the child of Whoa, John wow, and. Wow. We got there fast. Well, we can then dig into it a little bit. Oh, more. Well, I was gonna say. Bottom line is. The reason why I think that the reason John blames the guy who knocked her her up when she was Jane yes. is because that's what Ethan Hawke takes her back to go see, that point in time. That's correct. So that's so, why I think he blames him. But in a sense, they bump it. Now we have current John and past Jane bump into each other, and we discover that the person that Jane, the, the person that ruined Jane's life is John himself. Yes, John thinking that he's going to wait and meet this man that he's going to be angry at, inadvertently bumps into Jane and tries to not have a conversation with her. Oh, excuse me, I'm, I'm waiting for someone. I'll, I'll, I'm just going to wait here. And, and then they end up having a conversation, and through that conversation... Start falling in love. Start falling in John love. John falls in love with himself. Yes. Uh, Egotistical asshole. Many, many years actually, prior. Which actually fits Jane's personality when she was a child and thought that she was the best shit ever. Yes. So it makes sense that yep. John would eventually fall in love with himself. So John falls in love with himself. Female in, self. So he's, His female self impregnates his female self. Over over a period of time, by the way. This was something that was brought up in Reddit. Because uh, someone was like, when did they have time? Because while they're having these conversations, and we see a few scenes of um, them at a park, we see them meet. We see them in a car. Meanwhile, uh, Ethan Hawke is doing some traveling of his own. Yes. Um, and we also... <coughs> I also want to bring up... The, uh, so is this incest? What is... Or is this masturbation? What is Masturbation, this? for sure. When they have sex. Masturbation. Since, I mean, it's yourself. Sex with yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, just because I, I was a little curious. But I would part. add to your theory that she's mad at... That the person or person he wants to kill is the person who ruined his life is also the same person who kidnapped the baby. Well, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so, she, John so, knocks himself up. Yes, John knocks Jane up, and, and they, now we've seen this part of the story. They have this relationship, and then Ethan Hawke shows back up, and John is so pissed because he sees Ethan and knows that he needs to uh, go. He needs to time travel out of there or something. So he comes up to Ethan with a gun. And says, I'm not leaving her, even though I left her last time and I'm so angry at myself for being the lever. Now I realize that I truly love her. And Ethan finally reveals, yes, I love her too, because I am you. No, we don't no. know. We don't know that yet. We don't? No, 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 no. no. We don't know that until almost the end of the that's movie. A, that's like that. But end. we do know now. We, we also know. Wait, what does he reveal then when he says, I understand because I love her too? And I think he just sort of says, we can't change. If you do different things, you're not going to end up. Well, here's the thing is, like, I think also Dave might be right in this. Okay. You start, you start getting hint. If you know how the movie goes, 
he, there's hints drop like I understand. I understand how you feel. That's all Ethan Hawke says. Well, here's why I think Dave might be right. But before John comes up and approaches Ethan Hawke with the gun, we have the scene, I think, with Ethan Hawke at the hospital talking to Robertson. Robertson saying, I want to create this a person outside of time. And then Ethan Hawke kidnaps baby Jane and takes her or back Jane's to, baby. Jane's baby. And you realize that that is Jane herself. Right. And takes her back to the orphanage. So I think that all happens before the gun comes up. But the reason I think Dave might be right is... When we get to the very end of the movie, there's a bunch of scenes from the movie, remember, where it's like the orphanage, and then it's like growing up Jane, and then John. And no, I my, think that my, they my have a scene my on, my a, argument on the is bench. That, no, I think they just have a scene on the bench where Ethan says... I actually, I think what he reveals is, you can't kill me because I'm your baby. Not revealing anything else yet. I think that's what he reveals to her. No, because no, no, I don't cause think I'm, he knows... No. I think the scene. I think the scene is because at I, the end there are like a bunch of like intercuts, yes. and I think there is a scene as their intercut moving forward in time or whatever at the towards the very end. Right, so let's keep let's keep bench. going with okay. the movie. So, anyways, I forget what he does to convince, but I think he just. I think he gets more says like we can't do anything here because it'll change time. Yeah, like you would never be here with me if you. If you don't come with me now, because his whole life would change. I think that's more of the idea that like everything would change if you didn't if you decided not to do this. Right. So, I think they go back. Um. Because I don't think you reveal you don't get the big final reveal till the very almost the very end when he's when he's in the but hospital because, listening to the tape recorder because you start catching on that the tape record because he's still recording all these tape stuff he's talking about how to hold the baby and all this kind of stuff and like different clues for himself later on so um, it's muted but I'm just I'm just reliving the scene in mute um, let's take a look at it real quick. Yeah, so, alright, well, we just looked at it. Pause the tape for a second. And, uh. We went to the tape, we're just like refs. Yeah. We went to the tape. Bring, bring that up, Jamie. Or what does is, what is, uh, Joe Rogan say? I don't watch Joe Rogan, so I don't know. I don't either. Or but listen to Joe Rogan. So I, I don't know. either, but I just know that he's famous for asking him to bring up the tape. Okay. I was not that famous. Alright. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> not that famous if no, no one knows exactly the quote. Okay. How about this? Once he's been off the air for 10 years. I'll go list, start listening to him to find out what everybody was talking about. That's a way to do it. That is a way to do it. <laughs> so, alright, so, anyway, so, um, he, he's, he's, uh, revealed, uh, to Joe slash Jane that Joe, John, is, John, sorry, is, uh, <laughs> is the lover. Um, uh, John is pissed, but decides to leave with them anyway. So now he's going because because he's, he's been convinced that this is the path his life needs to his, take. His, his, he's predestined. He's predestined. You must really remember this film well. Oh, you know, <laughs> he's predestined for this path. So, so go to the agency. At this point in the movie, we are now fully aware that Robertson, the same Robertson that was dealing with Jane when with the NASA program, is also. Um, the head of this agency. The head of this time travel agency. Right. Well, we did know that he, he wasn't that, involved in NASA. He said that was basically a front at one point. Right. And so we, we just get the idea now that both Ethan Hawke... We, we now know that, that everything is getting somewhat more connected than we maybe thought originally. So... And Robertson has revealed that he wants somebody who has basically no parentage, who can exist outside of 
time and oversight that's not going to screw up time. I'm which, is why, which is why we have now been led to believe that Ethan Hawke has done has done this multiple times in a sense, probably with James slash right. John to make this aid this agent who who is his own parent. Right. So there is no external relationship other than this this person is its own family. There's nothing else to it. And we are now led to believe that once after this big jump to the uh, the 80s that John is getting treated and is most is most likely on the path to now become a new agent. Agent. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke has retired to 1975. His last mission is to bring down the Fizzle Bomber. Yes. Let me ask a crazy question. I, I'm going to presume, and the, this is part of the crazy question, so let me talk for two seconds. I'm going to presume. Two, okay. I'm going to presume that the um, NASA program didn't exist at all. And what if they were just looking for girls to add to this time travel program uh, because the men had to be so lonely being agents that traveled through time and couldn't have a normal relationship because holy cow, how could you? But if you had a female partner who you could also sleep uh, with, um, then that would be... Well, so they, they would have served the same purpose for the time agents as they would have served for the yes. for the NASA. But maybe have been an agent themselves. I have a final theory to that, too. Sure. You have a lot of theories. Well, I just have every, how everything's tied up in a bow. Okay. Um, so because there's still another reveal. Anyway, that was so that well, was my that was my idea. Well, we are now only partially through the reveals. Yeah. So, uh, so Ethan Hawke's now back in the seventies. He's retired, but he's got a last clue. Um, he's sitting in his apartment. Yeah, having some drinks and trying to be a writer. Uh, looking at typewriters in antique stores and flirting with antique store owners. Uh, doing more than that because. <laughs> well, yes, as it turns out, they have a great relationship. Yeah. Gets to see her thigh. Her ugly thigh, uh, birthmark. Birthmark, sorry, birthmark. Yeah. And she's stupid and she cooks bad. But we don't know any of that because, uh, he gets a. He, so, hang on. Now, what sure. if that person, that antique owner, is one of those NASA girls? <laughs> <laughs> Purposely sent there. Uh, what? What if... No, what if that antique person is an agent? Oh, and he's like, wow, every flirting word I make is making her excited. I'm just saying... <laughs> the way that this movie has... I mean, he was said he was sent to set up a whole thing so Jane slash John could be her own parents. How do we know that someone's not set... And he was just a bartender. Right. Well, how do we know someone's not just an antique store owner, just so that way he has someone to bone, so he can go kill the fizzle bomber? Yeah. So, uh, so he... I mean, just saying, they he, sent Agent back to help one person's path. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, John is out there agenting, doing his agent thing, and, um, uh, you know, Ethan Hawke is now... Got got a final clue, even though he's retired. Oh, and, and John has now, or Ethan Hawke has now left his recording device next to John's bed as he's getting better. Yeah, so he's, he's given John so a bunch this, of... This, this, all these random advice that he's been giving, he leaves there. Right. So he he um, uh, gives him a lot of, of tips about how to be a better agent, basically. Yes. So... Um, and, uh, so he goes to retire, 
and uh, he's he's got this last clue, and he figures out that the Fizzle Bomber is going to be at a laundromat. Um, and that's about that's the first time they've ever had a the Fizzle Bomber leaves no trace. The Fizzle Bomber can never be found. The Fizzle Bomber has no um, planned obvious uh, pattern. So, um, and we get, okay, well, I don't want to hit too much, but honestly, Robertson says, what if you worked outside the agency? What if you could teleport through time and, and work outside the agency? You could be a lot more effective. You could do a lot more things without these restrictive protocols on you. Also, when he retires in 75, his time travel device self, uh, turns off, dis, dis, yeah. Assembles itself, it can't work anymore. And when he arrives at his retirement spot, it does, it turns off. And then it creates an error code and turns back on. So, um, anyway. Now he finds out, that he figures out with this final clue, Bomber's going to be in the laundromat. He shows up at the laundromat with a gun. I'm going to kill the bomber. And there's the bomber, sitting there doing laundry. Uh, we know he's a bomber because he looks like a bomber. He's wearing a green army jacket. And we've, we've seen the bomber, the bomber, the bomber's silhouette before. We've seen the crazy beard and hair and hat. Yeah. From, wow, you got, you're really trying to drag out saying who the bomber is. Yeah, you, you, know, he walks in and it's Ethan Hawke with the crazy beard and hair. It's himself. So we now learn a that. future version of himself. We now learn that Ethan Hawke is the fizzle bomber. Yes, Ethan Hawke is the fizzle bomber 30 years down the line. And the fizzle bomber says, look, I'm you, you're me, it's, I have a reason why I've been doing all these bombings, and we haven't really talked a lot about the bombings, but part of this movie also, aside from the main plot, is they're trying to stop this bomber by traveling through time and stopping this bomber. He's killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds in different bombings throughout the years, over a decade, and this final bomb kills 10,000 people in New York, levels 11 city blocks. So it's an enormous bomb, and that's the one they really need to stop because it's so devastating. And they 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 figure out that they they don't really stop any of the other bombs. No, but they want to stop. But because he's the one person, and that, that that we are not the one, but the, the agency has done many great things to stop many horrific crimes and disasters from happening to save a bunch of people. Right. But the fizzle bomber is the one they still just can't figure out because they don't know who it is. "Quote unquote," who it is, right? Because everything he has else, no pattern. He has they, no, they can never figure out his whereabouts. They, they they're really dumbfounded. They can't figure out who he is, even though they've got time travel on their side. He oh, they also say something about the time keeps changing. Yes, the bombing d- days happens at different times. So what I mean, which also suggests when you do these butterfly effects and change small things. Somehow it's adjust. The fizzle bomber is somehow adjusting as well. But now we know he's adjusting because he himself is the time travel agent. So if they said Ethan Hawke to five minutes before the bomber's going to be there, well, then the bomber's going to have that knowledge that he was there five minutes before, so he's just going to show up five minutes before that. And then they send Ethan Hawke five minutes earlier, and the bomber decides, well, then I'll just show up a day later. Yeah, but all Ethan Hawke has to do is show up five minutes before and then kill him. And then he won't know anything. That's right, but the Fizzle Bomber just refuses to be caught. Right. Because he believes he's on a thing, At this point, the agency doesn't, did is not know that the Fizzle Bomber is a time traveler, so they have no reason to ex- explain why he could 
I'm going to have Roberts in here. And the Fizzle well, Bombers argument we'll is the Fizzle Bombers <laughs> says seven. The Fizzle no, Bombers no, says no. to himself, "I have articles that show that this guy kills 800 people on an oil platform. It's so, almost like he got those through time travel. So I killed him." Before he even showed up at work that day and saved 800 people. And this guy caused this accident that killed a 1,000 people. So I blew up his apartment. And I killed him. And, and then he, then young Ethan Hawke asked himself, but did you ever count the casualties of all the people that you killed in order to stop these people from causing more mayhem? And the guy's basically kind of crazy. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You know, we I know what I'm doing. But... Because the time travel has been warping his brain, he's obviously very warped. Not to say that he might not be right. Not that he's not doing certain things where it's like, well, yes, I killed, you know, whatever. I killed 60 people in this, but he was going to bomb 800. 800 people. So, yes, I guess there was more, but I, you know, it's less. Yeah, he. It, one of them is these terrorists break into this gun uh, storage and, and take a bunch of guns and then kill 1,000 people. So I just blew up the terrorist apartment. Sure, I killed 50 people in the apartment, but I saved a 1,000. Right. I mean, and that's the logic that crazy Fizzle Bomber Ethan Hawke is, in a sense, I feel like, trying to share. Shout out to utilitarians. Uh, that, um, that is a, a valid point. Yeah. Uh, and then young Ethan Hawke is like, shut up, and shoots him. Well, so, but, but the Fizzle Bomber says, if you kill me, you become me. If you love me, you will stop this from happening. And all we've ever had is our is each other. Yeah, all we've ever he says, had. Is, he says, if you want to break the chain and keep you from becoming me, you've got to walk away. Right, and comes to a, a, a point after he he kills himself, um, and he he says to himself uh, in in uh, homage to the short story by Heinlein that this comes from. I don't know who I know who I am, and I know where I came from, but I don't know how, who all you zombies are. Speaking to himself, the fizzle bomber, and also the big reveal that as he stands up from his desk, he's got the scars <laughs> of being Jane and John, and you realize in a sense he started his own cycle by le- like leaving John at the agency to become an agent. He and himself, that's how he became an agent. And the thing that they sort of glossed over the beginning that I wrote down was because he had a face transplant, you're yeah. going to look different than you normally do. That's right. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, well that's why he's Ethan Hawke at one point so, and some, a different actor, a different, because the face, the burning, and you also at this point find out that Ethan Hawke's the person who saved him, or that Ethan Hawke saved himself when he was burning. Yes. He push, he's the one who pushed the time travel advice to help get his burning self to the agency to get the face transplant. Yeah, but John and Jane do not look like Ethan <clears throat> Hawke. But I'm not right. certain that Ethan Hawke knew he was saving himself. I'm not certain that he knew that he was saving, because it's John who's on fire. You yeah, know, Ethan Hawke must know that he's saving himself. It's Ethan Hawke, because it's, it's, he lives through it. It is Ethan Hawke right before he became Ethan Hawke. It's it's John right before well, the face transplant. No, the reason the reason I say he might not know is because of how all the time travel warps the memory and stuff. And he even has a he even has a conversation with Robertson where he goes, "How long before I forget who I my before I forget who I am?" So right. I'm just saying, perhaps 
he doesn't realize that it's... Well, I think it's possible. It's possible. I, I don't agree with that. I don't that, agree with okay. that either. I think he purposely... But gets, let's be clear. The baby who gets dropped off at the orphanage... By, by, by Ethan Hawke. By Ethan Hawke. Who's kidnapped from the from the hospital and dropped off at the well, or, let's, orphanage let's just Ethan Hawke. A baby is dropped off by the orphanage, that, at the orphanage. That baby is Jane. Jane will go, will fall in love, Jane will become pregnant yeah. by a future version of herself who has become a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, then that future version of herself, who is the man, John, will become a time cop. Yeah. And on his quest to bring down the fizzle bomber, will be caught up in an explosion that Catches him on fire. Yes, he'll get reconstructive surgery to become Ethan Hawke, and yes. then Ethan Hawke will travel back in time both to be- make. Well, himself- no, but then Ethan Hawke continues on his quest to stop the Fizzle Bomber to find out that the Fizzle Bomber is himself. So, Baby Jane, John, Ethan Hawke, and Fizzle Bomber all the same person. Yes, yes, and that's why he says, "I know who I am, but I don't know how all you zombies are." Speaking of all the versions of himself that he's run into. Yeah. So, and I think... So here's my reason on... Um, okay, I forgot all the different things I said I had theories on, but pretty much here it goes. So I think Robertson always knew that Ethan Hawke is the Fizzle Bomber because there's multiple times where Robertson says, well, without the Fizzle Bomber, the Fizzle Bomber has helped us in many ways. Like, he says a line like that, mm-hmm. pretty much meaning without the Fizzle Bomber and this one thing... I think he always knew that that's what Ethan Hawke was going to become. I knew the different stuff that Ethan Hawke was going to do. And for all I know, the Fizzle Bomber is what made the agency what it is because of things like that that it created to stop that he, that in a sense it helped actually protect more people. Even by him killing people is what made the agency, it could have helped bring the agency to what it's supposed to be. Right. I think everything that Ethan Hawke's character done is Robertson knew with all. I think in a sense, Robertson's character has to appear at X amount of different times to do the same damn shit. Right. Because he's completing this loop, because you don't know where this loop starts. So why is it then Robertson doesn't appear to be having any ill effects from time travel? He doesn't have to be there all those times. He he's not traveled too much. He only pings in a few times to move the story along. Okay. To move the loop along. Well, we see him jump in a few times to see the loop along. Yeah. That doesn't include the life that he lived as a temporal agent or whatever before becoming the director of the temporal agent. He may have just been a director. For, he may have never been an agent become director. He could have just been an administrator who rose up okay. to the ranks. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, most of the time we see him is either we see him at the NASA thing when she's Jane and we see him at the agency in 85 or whatever. Right. Those are the two things we really sure. see him at. And so I just think he's obviously... I don't know. I feel like he purposely sets... Because he's the one who gives the last clue, in a sense, to Ethan Hawke to know to go to the laundromat, in a sense. And it's the last two minutes of the film where it's revealed that Ethan Hawke is John, is Jane, is the baby, is the bomber. And so it, it really it really draws you in um, into into the, the mystery. It, it takes until the very end. It's a good mystery movie mm-hmm. to wait until the very end, obviously, for this reveal. Um, but there were certain ways I caught it beforehand. I mean, where I started getting it before it shows it, before it showed it, just due to the fact of like certain things. Just because the way it was building, I was like, "This is getting really weird." And all of a sudden, I was like, "He's been recording shit to himself that he's been. Why does he need to know how? Why is he recording on the tape yeah. when you transfer when you when you time travel with the baby? Make sure you do this." Yeah, 
I didn't think that he was the baby. I didn't think he was John right, Shane. Right, but I'm saying, so obviously he's recording. See, I thought he was the baby as well. That's what I, I thought he, it was him, me too, me and too. he was a baby, but me I thought John and Jane was. Yes, I agree with that too, but like, I thought it was interesting that he was recording that, because I was like, well, why, like, all of a sudden I started catching up, like, some of the stuff you're recording is very specific. It's not yeah. like, hey, when you do this, make sure you think of this. It's like, I mean, time travel with the with the baby. Make sure you hold it really close to you. It's like cover it, cover its eyes. Cover its eyes. <laughs> yeah, and it's like that's a weird thing, a weird note to leave for yourself. Yeah. Unless this is something that you do over and over and over and over again, which I mean, you could, but then it's weird. Like, who are you leaving that for? And then, I mean, obviously, when you finally see it, leave it there. When you start getting ideas of like, I think, yeah, you start just real. Well, no matter what. I got it, like I said, it wasn't like I got a super hard man, so I just, obviously, at a certain point I was like, oh, so he's putting his parents together. Yeah. Because I thought he was the kid. Yes, that's what I thought. That, in fact, that's what I thought when he was at the bench. I was like, he, <laughs> in a sense, my limited mindset, not knowing how far the movie, this movie's going to go, I said, well, there's his parents who are both uh, the same person. So he's going to reveal because his dad and mom are very mad at him right now, holding a gun to his head. So he's going to say, "Don't shoot me! I'm your baby." My only thought is that in some of those conversations, Ethan Hawke's character, yeah, started being like, "Well, I understand." Like I like started making it seem like he was way empathetic towards how John was feeling. I bet you, if you rewatched it, it would be very um, uh, Fight oh. Club esque, where you'd be like, "Oh, oh, like, right there." And well, and I mean. I mean, they, they do good hints at dropping... I mean, they talk... At the very end, they talk about, like, the snake who eats his own tail. Yeah. But, I mean, in the very beginning, when he's in the first in the bar, and he's asked to say a joke, he's like, oh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? The rooster. The rooster. But, like... But, I mean, in the sense, though, that's and all... And again, they played I'm My Own Grandpa about seven times. Yes. Right, but they also... But no, actually, doesn't he mouth it, even? He goes, I'm My Own Grandpa, as he walks out of the bar. I think so. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things where... Uh, I mean, that chicken and the egg is a very obvious one, too, about what this movie is, where it's like, you have no idea where this loop starts, because it can't start from anywhere. Yes, and that's... And it's the same idea with the chicken and the egg, where it's like, well, how did the egg get there if there was no chicken to hatch it, but how did the, you know... It's the same kind of a premise, where it's like, same thing here. Where does the loop of this never-ending person start? Yeah, so this movie is a true paradox, and it's an unforgiving paradox. They don't... They don't try and, like, weasel their way out of it. They don't try and give you some hints. Like, it could have started. They're just like, it's a paradox. Live with it. Because they're a destination paradox. Yeah, there's no start. There's no There's no unmoved mover. Um, n- n- no one, like, spikes the baby the first time in by using a different baby, and then after that starts the loop. No, it, it sort of just makes it seem like this is just happens to be the time that we are jumping into this certain loop. This loop could have happened X amount of times. Yeah, or for infinity. And one of the arguments I read was, well, if time is not, because we think of time as linear, but if all time is happening at all times, so to speak, then you could have loops like this that that did not begin. They just exist. Right. In, in a, and I know. think that's the idea of the, the predestination paradox. And the the bomber even says we are a paradox. So um, yeah. So so now uh, this is a true time travel movie. Uh, I mean, I guess we would argue it's in 
because uh, that's not a genre. So this is a thriller? Yeah, I think so. Thriller? I would say it's a thriller. Um, now, I, now, there's certain aspects that I think are interesting um, that we didn't... Like, because I mean, when, when Ethan Hawke kills Fizzle Bomber Hawk, Yes. Ethan Hawke is very angry at the fact that he's going to become the Fizzle Bomber. Yes. But I'm, but I'm curious, just knowing how this movie goes, and knowing how Ethan Hawke has already viewed his life, because he's had to do this to himself. Yeah. If he s- starts off with, like, I'm supposed to become the Fizzle Bomber, and almost has that in his mindset, mm-hmm. and and in his mind tries to justify it, and that slowly is what drives him to insanity. Yeah. Or he goes, there's no way, I refuse to be the Fizzle Bomber. And then all of a sudden, the next weekend, there's a massacre in Georgia that kills 300 people. And he's like, but I have the time travel device. Which is also a reason why I think Robertson knows, because Robertson... It's, I mean, is it just happenstance that Robertson accidentally has it where it's supposed to destroy itself and then all of a sudden unlocks itself and lets him use it a bunch? Unlikely. It just seems like... He, I mean, he has to become the Fizzle Bomber. Because if he doesn't, then... He won't go off trying to stop the fizzle. Yeah, which means he would never go and meet his self again. Yeah. Which is why I think it's all supposed to just keep happening. Otherwise, and because we learn that he, when he is in his prime, Ethan Hawke slash John is the, one of the best agents that agencies ever had. Right. So. Hell yeah, his face was on fire and all he could think was, let's teleport home. I was like, dude, your face is on fire. And you're like, so I'm just gonna walk over and get my time back. And device. so what happens, you're right. I think what happens is what you said though is he starts becoming the physical because he's like because he doesn't have the tools anymore that agency has. All of a sudden the best way for him to might be is to like, well I'm gonna go back and just I don't know who it is, because he doesn't have all the information and technology. Yeah. But he now has a time travel device where he's like, oh, I'm gonna go a week ahead back. I know he came from this house or from this neighborhood. Yeah. Or he already came off this bus, blow up the bus. Or stop that bus, and that's how he slowly becomes becoming the fizzle bomber, going through different times mm. and collecting clippings of himself, so he can meet his younger Ethan Hawke self in the laundry mat eventually. Yeah. yeah. So it was uh, it was a wild ride. So Ethan Hawke is responsible for his own birth and his own death. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty sweet. Yeah, and his own conception. Yeah, yeah. and he got to experience life as a male. And as a female, and experience having sex with himself and receiving sex from himself. Yeah. So he's he is actually that's Dave's best life. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know. This movie was awesome. Yeah. Um, what a. I mean, I, I again. So I went and rewatched the trailer to see like if that would spark a memory because like some some films you're like oh that looks cool. And then you never get around to seeing it. Yeah. I saw the trailer. I'm like, I have never seen that trailer before. Right. And the fact that it was in the U.S. for three weeks at 20 theaters. I mean, sure, it probably played at the ArcLight in Pasadena or, or some... Or, 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 different, or in a sense, different festival type of... Exactly. Well, festivals wouldn't have made a lot of money. No, but I'm saying it probably has got to play at festivals and then like in like certain key 20 areas. 20 theaters in three weeks, you're going to be in L.A., you're going to be in right. New York, you're probably going to be in San Fran. Chicago. And then you're going to be Big in... cities. And, yes, and then you're only going to be, if you're in L.A., you're going to be at the Arclight, or you're going to be at, at like... You're going to be at Lemley. You're going to be a handful in... 
in L.A., you're going to be a handful in New York, and then you're probably only going to be at, at one or two in other cities. Yeah. So probably Grandy, Virginia will probably get it. Maybe you're in Boulder. Maybe you're in Miami. You know, maybe some, maybe in Dallas. Uh, right. Or, you know, and then you would be at the, whatever their key indie theater is at each of those places. Exactly. Um, so my question I had about... Um, actually, before, was there anything that I was going to say? Oh, that I said I had my theory on that... My pretty much my theory is that everything was all supposed to be this loop, and that Robertson had everything planned out from the get go, so and the, everything was supposed to be the way it was. And the clippings he collected himself as he time traveled. Yeah, the clippings are a little weird. How would he have clippings if he had solved the? I think I well, it's just that we never know. We don't know technically if he brings stuff with him if they get erased in time. We don't know that. That's so not so that's never answered. I mean, all it is is he gets a clipping, he cuts it out. And then he goes back in time, fixes that. Or maybe this is what was happening, because I didn't read the clippings, like, but maybe what was happening is he had the clip, so he had a clipping of this gun store that got blown up, right? Yeah. And in that, and what he basically says is, before this gun store blew up, like in the whatever, in the one timeline, um, a thousand people died. No, no. His clippings are of the mass events that he stopped. His clippings, his clippings are not of the little things that he did. His clippings are of the big things that he prevented. That's what he shows. He says, look, here's a picture of in Germany, this thousand people died. Here's a clipping of it. I, went I stopped back. that. Right. Oh, okay. So, okay. or, my other th- idea is, does, e- does young Ethan Hawke just have that book of clippings? You just it's in the ta- it's in the table in front of him. It's in the table in front of him, but isn't he at the last explosion? He's at the very last thing the bomber's ever going to do. The bomber's already done all this stuff in the past, in the eighties and the nineties. Right, I'm saying he technically could just grab that book of clippings, and that's how he always has it. My. My point is, he, the clip, the book would not exist because it's in, let's say it's in 2010. I don't know when they are when they're in the laundromat. 1975. No. Yes. They're in the year in the which... The 75 is oh, when the right. big that's, thing happens. That's correct. He's in 75. So... I'm just saying, he could get that book, and that book could be telling him where he's going to go to stop all those things from happening again. Right. It could almost be his guide. Oh, the reason he's in the laundromat is because he has lived 20 or 30 years in the future, and he has teleported back to the laundromat as the bomber, brought the clippings with him to show his younger self, and now the clippings are there. So yes, he will certainly always have the book with him, because he's got it now. So here was was a question. I mean, that's just what I'm curious about, or if that's what at least helps him get on a certain path. Going to the explosion that catches John on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um... What? Which, when they do show it the second time, when he saves himself, you could tell that it is John and right. not Ethan Hawke. So, yeah. like, you could tell that yeah, it's that actor. So, what was he doing down in? Because I thought, I thought the way they set up at the beginning, I thought initially that that was the bomber, but then you find out it was Ethan Hawke who was on fire. Yeah. So, what was John doing down there, tinkering with a bomb or whatever? The, I think he might have been trying to stop it. Or so, he was trying to figure out information because he's the one who brings back the fact that 
at this point now. So that was that was the fizzle bomber had set up a bomb in this location. He was trying. John was trying to disarm it. John, John being a cop, a temporal cop, he was trying to disarm this bomb, and it kind of blew up in his face and caught him on fire. That's right. Okay, because I got confused because I thought it was the time machine, not knowing it was a time machine. I thought it was a guitar case that had exploded. Yeah, no. at first with the way that the, it was um, framed at the beginning right. of the movie. Well, I, I thought that, it was. I the, think that's the point. Is that yeah. at the beginning you're supposed to not. But I didn't know what the by the end. I didn't know if he was reaching for a gun in that case. I didn't know if he was reaching yeah. for what he was reaching. But so by the end of it, at this so point, your guys' sense was he had he was trying to just disarm a bomb, fizzle bomber's bomb, or maybe even somebody else's bomb for that matter. It didn't have to be the fizzle bomber. Could have just been a bomb. But we know it's a fizzle bomber right. later. And um, and for all we know, and the, fizzle bomber so, just it, it, the fizzle bomber puts no. it there so that way he always keeps repeating this yeah. track again. Yeah, like no. oh oh crud. It's blah blah blah. I need to go make sure I put that bomb over there so that way I kill. I blow myself well, up. This movie did heavily bite Bill and Ted because he's listening to the recording. It's like I put clothes in there, and then he opens up the closet and there's clothes. Uh, make the trash can fall or whatever. They say. Yeah, and then he's and then he's like, "How did you set that up?" Uh, it doesn't matter. And then he does say, "Once you're in control of time, time has no meaning." Yeah. So, um, so that was my only question. Other than that, I just think my, my the other thing I have is does this paradox because you weren't here for when we discussed Looper, but we discussed about like you know somehow some stuff doesn't like link up like but I'm curious like well hang on tech like I'm just curious if there's any I'm now curious does this prediction paradox fit other time travel movies that we think make no sense but really it's just because it's an endless loop that never ended to begin with. That has no beginning or end. Well, possibly, because I remember Primer being pretty tight in the looping, uh, but I do remember when I drew it out that there was a flaw in Primer, and I don't remember what it was because that was many time travel movies ago. But, um, yeah, if I mean, you're right. If you accept paradoxes, um, then you can wipe certain problems. Well, and that's why I think they even say predestination, predestination paradox to help to sort of say, you just gotta accept this is a, this loop is outside of time itself because time itself is a paradox. Time travel itself is a paradox because it's just... Right, and that was the problem that I saw running into uh, people discussing this movie over and over again. Oh, it took me out of the film because there's no way he could have been a baby to himself because the baby doesn't exist if he doesn't exist and he can't make that's himself the point. a baby. Yes. So, I mean, that, to me, that's the thing. They say it's a paradox, and I mean, it's, yes, you have to accept it, but I mean, also Roberts, Robertson says we need a person, an agent, or someone who's outside of time itself that, that has no connection to time. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's great for any, any agency wants you to have no ties. They don't want they don't want you to be under pressure from a wife who could get kidnapped and you have to reveal state secrets. They don't want you to be tied to your bank account so you could be bribed. They want someone who's well, got the less... And, what, and what's the best, then, the, then Ethan Hawke's character, in a sense, whose only tie is to himself, and if he messes shit up, then he pretty much ceases to exist. That's right. Yeah, he, so you have, the, no, you, have, you have the best motivation to make sure. Well, this the movie was done. this movie is equally about time travel as it is about paradoxes. Like, yeah, they they just lean into it and they're like, "Yep, we are a paradox." Fine. Yeah, you know what? We'll take that off the table. That discussion comes off the table because we are a paradox and we revel in that. 
Right. What I want to talk about is biology. Could a person's sperm genetically create uh, uh, um, a child with their own eggs? This was also discussed, and there are um, hermaphrodites. There are people born with both sexes. Sure. Um, they didn't believe that it was possible for someone with two... Because no matter what, even though they've got two sexes, all their chromosomes are still identical right. throughout their body. So, in order... They, they said that um, there, there has never been a case, I think, where... And I'd have to go back and look it up. Where someone who was a hermaphrodite could also be um, fully... XX and XY or something. Fully male and fully female operational or something like that. So, I believe the answer is technically no. There's no one that could impregnate themselves having a hermaphrodite in both functioning parts. Now, if they could, no, the baby would be deformed. I say, could they if... Could they in this circumstance, though, with time travel? I'm saying, like... I don't understand. Like, no human has ever been born with a fully functioning set of testicles and ovaries. The testicles producing fully usable sperm that can impregnate and fully ovulating right. but, eggs that can but be impregnated. after surgery and, t- and hormones, can they get... No, so the, hormones cannot create parts that work. You can't take, you can't take hormones that would turn non-functioning ovaries into functioning ones. Ovaries have to be... No, but could you take it to create um, uh, testicles that would produce semen and sperm? No, because you can't take a hormone that will literally create an organ. But if Your testicles right. are organs. But in a world where time travel is possible... <laughs> no, I'm just curious if... In, in the circumstance where... Remember, in this movie, all they said was... Your female parts weren't fully developed, meaning she probably didn't have a full working, uh, like a, a fully functioning um, uterus, not a uterus, she obviously had a uterus, um, a, a, a vaginal canal that could support the birth right. of a baby. So they, so had, they had a C-section. Right. When they C-sectioned her, they found the testicles right. uh, up in the body, maybe a prepubescent penis, and, and they said, well, you've got both parts that both suck. So, but the women's parts are all shredded because of the trauma right. of giving birth. We're going to rip all those out, pull the testicles down, create a little sac, create a little penis, hook up the bladder into the, and they even say that, we've given you a male urinary tract, and you're good to go. And then what he says is, to help with your theory, the hormones have turned me into a fully functioning man. That cannot happen scientifically. Okay. But they throw it in there saying that it could in this film. So therefore, he could impregnate himself. Right. I'm no longer shooting blanks. That doesn't exist in real life. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. If you are sterile as a man, you cannot take pills to become unsterile. Mm-hmm. Completely sterile? Well, who said that he was ever completely sterile? Oh no! Yes, that, yes. He could have had very non-motile sperm where he can't swim. So then they take they take pills to make more sperm appear, so that even though they can't swim, there's many more of them in the semen, so that it gets a better chance. You know, that type of thing. That's but, all I was just curious. Is What if you just had sucky ass sperm yeah. testicles that 
Okay, yeah, you're, yeah, technically you could, They're but floaters. nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, they just float around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Te- They're all doing left turns. Technically, all- technically you have. <laughs> NASCAR spray. Te- technically you could get knocked up, but that baby's not gonna be able to get out of you because you don't have full, like, what if it was like more, like, like eight, like 70% of each thing, except you couldn't make it, and then because of how it worked. Right. I mean, that's what I think what they were more trying to hint at was, like, because they even say, like, at first shooting blank, it wasn't like she, it took a while for him to become full, fully man. And there's something about, I forget what it's called, uh, or what the science is behind it, but there's chimeras in people where you have multiple sets of chromosomes in your body, and so you could, um, I think they've done this with, like, uh, um, murder, like a murder, they kill someone, leave blood at the scene, they test the DNA, and the murderer, wait, but we know you murdered him, but your blood doesn't look like you. And then they find out that they've got some DNA that looks like one pattern, and other DNA that's another pattern, you're actually carrying two sets of DNA, and one DNA test might just happen to pluck the wrong DNA the first time, and so you look like you're not yourself, so to speak. Um, so there are people that have multiple sets of DNA in them. Right. Or chromosomes or something like that, chimera. So, if you had some weird scenario where the the alternate DNA mm-hmm. and the other alternate DNA merged... Right. The question is, how does that baby become themselves? That was another thing that people complained about. Even if I could have sex with myself, that baby would not become me. That baby would become a unique mix of me and me and be someone else entirely. The baby would not become me. Because their argument was the baby's like... The, I don't know how to describe it. I guess with time travel it solves it though. Even if you gave birth to a baby that was identical to you, it wouldn't have your soul. It wouldn't be you. It couldn't be you. Even if it was identical down to the DNA, it would look... Exactly like you, but it wouldn't act like you because... Well, but this baby would have experienced the same things that exactly. I experienced, which would Make then, them exactly yeah. like well, you, a perfect copy. Yeah. And yes. Ethan, because even, even twins don't act like perfect copies. Right, because if Ethan Hawke had not taken the baby to the orphanage, then you're right. Then it would have had a completely different but, set of experiences. And we also, yes. we also the thing, there could be slight differences, minor differences, just like oh, there's minor differences in when the timing of the bombs happen. There could be very minor things, but because so many extremely key things keep happening, that the person you know, maybe, you know, maybe she's slightly you know, more into pink in one realm, in one life than she is into something else. But, but uh, yes, but if if this is a constantly happening loop, then a bunch of small things becomes a big thing. Because, oh, now she's really, she's more into pink than some of us. And then the next one, oh, well, she's now also more into cars than the next one. And well, she, no, no, no one said that she's still into pink again. Yeah. So I'm just That's saying... What like, I mean. It could just be, like, little offshoots. Or it could be yeah. offshoots more like, oh, she wore a blue jacket that day rather than a red jacket that day. But yeah, I would say only, only, the only thing that could impact that because the timeline is perfectly symmetrical. It's identical. Only what the time travelers change is the changes that they would ever right. experience. Yeah, I would say this is so perfectly calibrated 
that the person is going to grow up the same all the time. But you change one little... If you hesitate on one little thing within the timeline, that that could throw everything off. Right. It's interesting that even though he, she was the smartest person, even when confronted with the reality of the situation of I do become the bomber, there's no questioning that because that bomber standing in front of me is me and is the bomber. And the bomber is insisting... If you kill me, you become the bomber. Even with all that reality displayed in front of them, and with being super knowledgeable and better than everyone else, still does not do a um, put the gun to their own head, kill themselves well, type of thing. that's my... But see, that goes back to the idea of... We saw Ethan Hawke have to tell his younger self, like, you need to leave yourself here for, for, your, for your destiny to go through. Is Ethan Hawke... Are we seeing him struggle with the idea of the fact that his destiny is to become the fizzle bomber, and he knows that no matter what, if he because the movie is called Predestination, so the idea is that that this is who you're going to become. You've been predestined to do these things. So, so is he in a sense? Is he purposely killing himself? But as as I already said, knowingly. No, that he is going to eventually do all these things because it's in his destiny, and that's why he doesn't choose to kill himself. Because he does by killing himself, everything. Who knows how that would whack time out? Because without the fizzle bomber, he would never go back into like everything. You know, does he know that like this is also the only way to keep things moving? Now, yeah. here's an interesting question. Let's say he goes, I, you know what? Screw predestination. I don't want to become this person. Right. And he decides to let the fizzle bomber go. Or shoots himself in the mouth and kills himself. Yes. Or, but as soon as let the fizzle bomber go. Uh-huh. That throws everything off. Would, because then you would say, you arguably, the fizzle bomber would cease to completely exist. These things would never happen. And so, Ethan Hawke would be able to save all the, yes, he would ruin his own destiny in that he would never be born. Right. But he would avert all of these bombs. But if he was never born, he couldn't avert the bombs. <laughs> because the bombs wouldn't happen. No, because he wouldn't be there. But those bombings wouldn't happen. The fizzle bomber is the bomber. And he's the fizzle bomber, so the bombings wouldn't happen. Right, but the other things would... But I'm saying, like, he... I mean, yes, other things would... Certainly right. other things would happen. But the bombings that the fizzle bomber does would not have... Would not and happen. maybe, maybe, in fact... He is struggling with it. It's kind of like Jesus in the garden. Like, I know what needs to happen, but I'm still struggling with it. I'm still... Oh, right. I think that's what it is. I think yeah. that's what it is. I think, that's why I think they happen so closely to John realizing that he has to leave himself in a, bat, in a sense, even though he hated the fact that he had yeah. to do this to himself. Like, I think it's that it's, that's what happened when he was in his 20s. This is what's happening later in life. That he has to do this the same exact idea with where this time he has to, he kills himself and then realizes that he needs to pick up the mantle and become the fizzle bomber because because I think that's how life is going to keep moving on. I think right. if he had killed himself, we would have had an end of Looper situation where Joseph Gordon-Levitt shoots himself and then Brad uh, Brad Pitt um, Bruce Willis ceases to exist. I think if he killed himself in that moment, then the fizzle bomber would never have existed because well, he would not have existed. Then I'll say this. Then his emotion, his vehement denial, I will never become you, and you'd see the anger, and he shoots, and then he shoots, and shoots, and shoots, and kills him. I will never become you. 
is that genuine or is that him struggling with I can't believe I'm going to become this. I think it's where I can't believe I'm going to become this because he seems too smart and aware because he's because we've just watched a whole movie of him messing with his own life in a perfect way to make it to where he gets to be. He also thinks he's superior, so I also wouldn't be surprised if he also is genuine in that moment. I won't become you, and what he wasn't saying is I will figure out a way not to become you. That's right. I'm going to kill you, but I'm so smart and superior. Um, I will not become you. I'll figure out a way to avert this stuff. And then, and then he can't. And, or, then, or, and then a year later, a thousand people die in Georgia. Right. And he's like, or, or he I can to, stop that one. Or he, start, or he starts realizing, or even just, you know, a couple weeks after this emotional time, he starts realizing, he's smart enough to start realizing, like, this is what I need to do. Otherwise, Robertson shows back well, up again and goes like, no, or, I mean, or, <laughs> it's one, or it's one of those things where, Technically, if the Fizzle Bomber never does any of this stuff, I mean, there's another question is, does the agency even exist? Right. Because, or is the agency built on the back of the Fizzle Bomber, like, hey, look at all these crazy things that happened. Like, we need to figure out how to, wouldn't it be great if you could travel in time and stop things like this from happening? And they use the Fizzle Bomber as an example. Of course, they stop a bunch of other random things that we don't right. see about in this, because those would be all the spinoff movies. Yeah. Or the TV series. Yeah, where's the where's the connected universe? Um, but you know, is is it all built off the Fizzle Bomber's horrible bomb that actually the, the agency got some of the agency's grounds move legs right. moving? So if he killed himself, the agency would cease, cease to exist, even which means yeah. all like. What if we were to take a trip to Australia and find out that like Predestination Four was about to come out? <laughs> They're like, oh man, we love it. And uh, they, they're just filmed in Hobbiton. Yeah. The thing is, New Zealand. I thought Ethan Hawke is a top-billed actor. I don't understand how they could have hired him and only made $4 million on the movie. I would think his salary would have been a million plus. Well, yeah, I, well, understand. Lots of people who are big names make lots of movies that take. And lots of movies that we've never heard of either. Right. I mean, there's people who are in movies... Now that if you were to look them up on IMDb, you'd be like, they were in a movie? Brad, Brad Pitt's movies don't always... Um, not all of Brad's Pitt movie, Brad Pitt's movies, even modern Brad Pitt, are considered successes. That's true, but they did not try and make money. Obviously, if they didn't market it in the U.S., and they only had it in 20 theaters for three weeks, they didn't even give it a shot. Well, but and sometimes what it is too is that with sometimes with these with these movie studios and agencies where maybe Ethan Hawke wanted to be in something or do something certain thing, and they worked it out like okay, but you have to do this Australian movie over here for this production company, and then we'll come back and do this. Remember, this was this movie came out in 2015, which means it would have started to get marketed in 2014. No, you weren't watching TV; you were illegally downloading stuff. That's how you consumed everything. No, but I've also never heard of this movie. I know. Um, how much did they spend on this film? That's another question, because yeah. to only make $4 million, was it a massive well, fail? Well, that's what I was going to say, too, is sometimes, too, with some of these movies... This they, movie did not look cheap. No, I was going to say, sometimes with these movies, too, they... Uh, Were there many special effects, though? Like, because that's where you start I mean, running into numbers. Lots of expensive actors, lots of expensive sets... Lots of expensive effects and lots of expensive marketing. If this is a if this is an Australian picture, we may not have budget info. Yeah, it's quite possible. But I'm just curious. Um, the special effects included um, a few warping scenes, 
Um, I'm probably guessing the fires and stuff were were um, were were real, so to speak. Um, practical effects for fires and things of that nature. Um, so no other real big special effects. They didn't, you know, they didn't have. Um, you know, some of these time travel movies have things happening in reverse or forward or um, things inverting themselves or whatever. This didn't have any of that. So, real quick, let's do this. This is about the release of the film. Sure. Um, Man, are we still recording this? <laughs> I mean, this is super exciting, but never mind. Well, let's just, I just want to know how much it costs. Do you guys have any numbers on no. that? No. But it premiered at SXSW in Austin. Yeah. Um, and then it was the opening film for the Melbourne Melbourne International Film Festival. Okay. And then it just talks about, like, it's opening in Sydney and it's opening in the United Kingdom. Uh, and then the, it premiered January 9, 2015 in the U.S. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, but, I mean, premiered and was only here for three weeks, so. I, but that just means people didn't go see it. Yeah. That's all. But I just, I'm just curious to the budget if it only made four million. I mean, yeah. was this a sixty million dollar film to produce? Even a twenty million dollar film to produce, and it made four million. I don't know. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Overall thoughts. I really liked it. This was really fun and really interesting. And um, I don't know how it is. I guarantee at least the second time it's still really interesting because now that you know everything that's going to happen, you're going to notice all those little purposeful way they say things or do things that that show that, like, oh, very like you said with Fight Club, it starts showing you, like, oh, he purposely leaves that for himself or he purposely does that one thing. Yeah. Knowing that in certain time he's going to come back and do it again. Yeah. I would say sadly, so I love this film, absolutely. Um, sadly, because it's so not on the radar, I don't think, I mean, culturally, or to have a conversation, or have it be part of your uh, oeuvre of things that you've watched, so that you can be a more intelligent film person in general, this doesn't rank, because it's so small. But just as a enjoyable film to watch, this is ranks way up there in enjoyment, and just, just go to see it, just to see it, because it's just good. It's really well done. It reminds me of like a movie like a mystery like Seven or like um, uh, what's that one where he writes on his arms and time is moving backwards? Memento. Memento. Yeah, there's so much going on here and so many clues that are you're trying to figure it out. And my brain was spinning trying to figure out things. And then as they drop, whoa, that is that person's the same person as this person. And then they drop, whoa, this person's the same as that person. And then they save the best to last. Everyone is the same person. As Ashley like to point out, so there's two characters in this whole movie. There's <laughs> Ethan Hawke slash everyone, and then there's Robertson, and those are the two characters in this whole damn movie. <laughs> yes, yes, a movie inclusive of one character and a side character. <laughs> yeah. So, so wait. I was like, does Ethan Hawke get billed if, if this were some $100 million Academy Award winning movie? Would he get Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor? I'm pretty sure his name in this movie is Bartender. No, the, the actor who plays him in younger scenes would be the one who'd get the Supporting Actor. Credit. Yes, because realistically, even then, realistically, there's still only three real... I mean, there's Robertson, Ethan Hawke, and then the actor who plays 
John slash Jane. The woman yeah. who's pla- the one the woman who plays Jane slash John. Yeah. Her name in the credits on IMDb are not Jane slash John. It's yeah. like unwed mother, something like that. Probably, probably on purpose, so that yeah. way you do not. You right. know, you can't look up like, oh, who's the cast of this movie? And all of a sudden you go... I was just surprised they didn't at least say Jane. Oh, that's nice. So but uh, but uh, at the same time, yeah. On, uh, but yeah, if you look at Wikipedia, it says Sarah Snook as Jane slash John. Yeah. Like, I would have just thought... But on Wikipedia, it says Unwed Mother. It says, like, John, um, Bartender. Like, yeah. it gives them all, like, descriptions rather than any real name. Got it. Robertson has a name. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's because they actually referred to them. Right. Well, maybe next week we'll have uh, a full crew back. And a microphone. Well, so... Maybe. The only thing I'm going to caution people about, not really caution, but there's that when she starts her story, pay attention. Or when he... Sorry, when he starts his story, if you're going to watch this, pay attention. No, it's going to be about a third of the movie. Um, but pay attention. Uh, it, it, the movie gets really good. Absolutely. After and, after that, and if you if you pay to, I mean, realistically, you start picking up on a game really good. Well, and it's one of those things where it lay, the story at times you're like, why is it give this to me? But really, it's a very it's not wasteful. No, stuff. And all everything that pretty much gets mentioned for the most part yeah. comes back into play in the last. 30, 40 minutes it's, all it's of like it. It's like a 94-minute movie, so it's not a long movie. Right. And and the thing about it, the, the conversation, that 30-minute thing, it's just off-putting because you're like, wow, this conversation is still going right. on. It's but not, her story, like, her story is interesting. It, it is interesting. You're trying to figure out, and it's one of those things where and it all comes back to play. It's not like it's a pointless backstory of some character. It is everything comes back to play. They reference tons of the different times in that story again. And, yeah, it's not a boring... It's not like you're yeah. like, oh my gosh, this, end this. It's, it's kind like, of a Kaiser Soze, like, let me tell you this backstory, and it's really revealing a lot of the mystery. It's really leaking a lot. And the only problem is, it's really poured on for a long time. Yeah. It's all important, but most movies don't choose this route of, let me tell you half the story in this dialogue between two characters sitting in a bar. So I don't know how this movie could have done it. Much differently. Well, given the given the the way they were going to fin, like yeah. I, I will say, like for instance, the scene where she's like looking through the wall, uh, the fence, and she runs out and almost gets hit by the car, and then breaks the the the, the headlight. Yeah, that probably could have been cut. For instance, they reference that though in that she always wanted to be wanted, right? And um, it also shows that she's at a young age very defiant and strong. And but they could, I mean. You also saw that in her fighting, or in her training. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, there is a, for instance, where something maybe could have been cut. Yeah. Because I think we saw her defiance and stuff in other <clears throat> Absolutely. Ways. But, yeah, this was a delight. I mean, it was a delightful surprise. We must have really enjoyed it, because we've been talking about it for an hour and 35 minutes, the length of the film. Yeah, and, and we, we took about a 45-minute break to rewatch the end, so <laughs> they could see. Yeah. So with that, uh, we'll talk to you guys in a week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Awesome Podcast. If you enjoy us, please tell a friend and read or review us on iTunes. This has been a Carry Around a Production.